Hello there, my warrior friends. Welcome to Caregivers Conversations. I'm your host, Leanne McKinley, and an unpaid caregiver just like you. In this podcast, we discuss the truths behind the daily struggles of the unpaid and untrained caregiver. Fasten your seatbelts because you're about to hear raw, edgy, and real-life conversations with like-minded caregivers and industry experts whose missions align with mine, which is to change the way we all experience caregiving. In this community, I aim to inject your life with practical tips, tools, and techniques that will leave you feeling energized and uplifted. Are you ready to get inspired and to change the way you experience caregiving? If so, buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hey everybody, welcome to my first episode of Caregivers Conversations. Let me first just start off by telling you how much I respect you and how much I'm in your corner, my friends. You are the unsung heroes, the warriors of your loved one's souls, the ones that we are rarely discussed about amongst the collective. Being an unpaid, untrained caregiver to an elderly or sick loved one is one of the hardest jobs any one of us are likely ever going to face. And yet, it's really rarely discussed amongst the collective. In fact, today as I start this, it's not lost on me the irony that it's Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. So it's Monday, October 11th, 2021. And according to statistics by the World Health Organization, there are 101 million of us unpaid and untrained caregivers in the world right now. That's a shocking number. So I want to send you all big hugs, big hugs and gratitude for what you're doing, because I know the struggle. I'm one of you. I'm an unpaid, untrained caregiver as well. And it's hard. And so... What I want to do with your permission is I'm going to start off by telling you the last almost two years now of the journey that I uh, have been on with my dad. So you can really identify with who I am. And while my struggles might be specific and not necessarily the same ones you've endured, collectively, we are all going through a lot of the same things. Feelings of isolation, guilt, resentment, anger depression, exhaustion, loss of identity. And so our stories might be really unique, but we commonly share those traits, compassion, fatigue, and a lack of empathy, eagerness to move on with our lives, but wouldn't know where to start if we had a free time or free moment to ourselves right now. And so this channel, I want you to understand where I'm coming from and why I'm starting it. By explaining to you what I've been through. And I'm not trying to exclude the paid and trained caregivers. It's just that I really believe that the untrained, unpaid caregivers plight is unique. We didn't choose this role. We didn't choose this career. And I want to bring awareness to, through my story, the fact that the system's broken. I mean, we all know the healthcare system is broken and needs some deep, deep, deep fixing. But let's get real for a second here. Promised you we're going to get real and get raw. Do you really think the governments are going to pick up the slack? They've been ignoring it for decades now. The aging demographics around the world is not changing and not going anywhere. 
So I don't see this getting any better for us or those that will trail behind us by leading into the government. Although I do really want to advocate for more knowledge and support, and that is part of the mission. And I'm not here to beat down those that are trying, that are in the system and doing the best they can. But the reality is, I don't think this trend is going anywhere. In fact, I see it increasing. I see more and more people aging that are going to have to be cared for by loved ones. And yet the statistics of the suffering that we face from our mental, physical well-being, spiritual well-being, financial well-being are astronomically bad and sad. In fact, 30% of the unpaid, untrained caregivers will die from the stresses and the taxes on their body. No, it's not income taxes, folks. Sorry. The taxes, the physical taxing, the emotional taxing, the exhaustion of what this role is to them on their bodies, their physical bodies. And so statistically, 30% of caregivers will die before the one they're caring for. And that, my friends, is not acceptable to me. And it shouldn't be acceptable to you. And so, yes, we are going to bring in experts and interview people that are going to hopefully inspire you and uplift you and change your lives and the way you live as a caregiver. Because I'm on a mission to change the way we all experience caregiving. And as I go through the next two or three episodes, with your permission, of course, explaining to you why I'm here and the heck that I went through for the last just under two years, you will start to see why I'm here and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. I'm going to have to warn you, I'm a spiritual junkie. And I don't believe in coincidences. In fact, when I look back on my journey as my dad's caregiver, it really truly began way, way earlier on in my life, the preparation that is for what I'm doing here today. I believe that this was a calling that I have been preparing for my whole life in some weird ways, which I will get into as we explain the stories that led me here. And so I hope you'll follow the journey with me. I hope you'll listen to the next two or three episodes to really learn why I'm here, what I'm doing, and why this is my new mission and calling in life, and how I intend to change the way you experience your caregiving role and your life for that matter. So my friends, I don't want you to be part of those statistics. I want you to start to change how you live your life. And to start recognizing that the system is so taxed and overburdened that we can't lean into it for saving us and for help and support that's probably not going to be available in the way that we need it to be. I also want to talk to you about the legal systems because my dad had been defrauded of all his money, most of it, and the legal system failed him desperately. And the irony in that is he's a retired lawyer. So, yeah, I'm going to talk about how to safeguard our elderly and ourselves from fraud (laughs) and how the system needs to start protecting and caring more for the elderly. Because witnessing what I've experienced through my dad through osmosis made me feel for him. It just made me cry, if I'm going to be honest with you, multiple times. Sad. So sad that it feels like he doesn't have a voice in this world as an elderly person. We just don't seem to respect the elderly collectively in the way that they deserve to be respected and protected. And so I'm going to share a lot of my thoughts on that as well as we go through this channel. 
So my friends, I hope you're ready for a broad scope, a broad brushed approach in this channel. As I said, I've been preparing for this through my own healing journey, having been gaslit, the modern day term for scapegoated from an alcoholic dysfunctional family. And my father had abandoned myself and my daughters and was terribly abusive. And I'm sure a lot of you out there are caring for a parent that was abusive for you as well. And how I learned to forgive him is the years of training through Reiki and coaching and self-growth tools and techniques that I've been given by my guides through Reiki and downloaded through the wisdom that I have been imparted and how I turned my healing experience around to help myself in this role. All the years I've been trying to heal from the traumatic childhood that I was in and uh, had to use that stuff and the, and the tools that I use as a coach through NLP studying to really apply that to myself, to my own experience. Because as I described to you what I went through for the last almost two years, it could could be a fictional book and unfortunately it's truth the truth of what I experienced but I could write it as a book and you would think it was fiction it's just that crazy I mean if you want to laugh for a second just picture this for those of you that have watched the Desperate Housewives for those of you that experienced Indiana Jones the movies picture Indiana Jones has gone psychic and meets up in a battle with the Desperate Housewives (laughs) I mean, that's the story that I'm going to share with you over the next couple of episodes of what I went through. It's just crazy, kind of comical and not really. And it led to my being angry and bitter and resentful and exhausted. And as an empath, as I'm sure a lot of you are fellow empaths out there, my empathy waned and I had very much a lot of apathy and anger towards the role that I felt stuck in, trapped in. I felt lonely and depressed and desperate to try to get out of it and trying to understand what this meant for my life and where it was heading. And after years of being bedridden and sick with what was a diagnosis of lupus that I then later reversed, And finally, after being a single mom and healing myself from this traumatic family that I grew up in and detaching myself from them and my youngest daughter just moving out on her own to be independent just a few months earlier and boom, I'm in this role unannounced and unprepared. And it was the last thing I wanted or needed. (laughs) And yet it's been one of the greatest gifts that I have ever been given, as it turns out. And so we're going to talk about all of this on this channel. Not just my tools and techniques, but experts that are going to help you cope through the stresses, through the mindset shifts that that are needed, through how to self-care for yourself, how to set appropriate boundaries, how to deal with caring for somebody who could be abusive or family members who are critical of you and make you feel guilty from a society who makes us feel guilty and has this expectation of perfection. And there is no such thing as perfection, as you all know. And so we're going to talk about all this. The raw, the real, the dirty, the ugly, the hopeful, the inspirational. The caregivers' stories and the experts who are going to help transform our lives for the better. So buckle up and get ready. 
But before that, I'd like to walk you through a box breathing exercise if we could all get grounded and then I'll start my story and uh, you'll get a better understanding of why I'm here and where we're going. And I hope that a lot of you will see yourselves in this story, maybe not the exact specifics, but the emotions that I've been through, the struggles that I've been through, the challenges of having to dig deep into my soul to persevere when I just wanted to freaking give up, when I wanted to run and hide under a rock to never wake up again from sheer exhaustion, from sheer feeling isolated and lonely and this state of hopelessness, from a lack of self-identity and giving everything into caring for my dad and forgetting to care for myself. And I know that you all identify with that because I've done the research so before we get started into how I got here, let's take some deep breaths, if you will. So some box breathing is what I love to use for myself. It's something I coach my clients to use to calm down the mind. And it can be done anywhere you're stressed out. So let's just do a few rounds of box breathing, which is a four-second inhale. Hold your breath for four counts. Exhale for four Hold for four, inhale for four, exhale for four, hold for four, inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four. I hope I said that right. I'm going to do that now with you for three cycles, and then I'm going to get into my story. And yes, it's all true. So let's do some box breathing and get grounded. So let's start by the inhale for four, four, inhale. Hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four, inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. Okay, so the beginning of my journey, as I said, I was came from a highly dysfunctional family. My dad was an alcoholic, one of the forms of dementia. He has alcohol-induced dementia and had been very verbally and physically abusive for most of my life. Has a really kind soul, though, I have to tell you, and he's a good person deep down, and I'm not making excuses for abuse. I suffered tremendously by it. And it created a pattern, which I'm not going to talk about on this channel, but of getting into abusive relationships with people. But my mother was far more abusive in more subtle, silent ways. I was born very empathic. I used to have premonition dreams, violent dreams of people drowning or being murdered and then it would show up in the media and that started when I was a teenager and then I shut it down and it resurfaced again in my 30s and so as an empath which a lot of you I'm sure are we are all born with intuition let's just face that let's just start there but 
I had a higher, more astute level of intuition. And so I would speak out about the abuse. I would speak out about the dysfunction in my family. God bless my mother. But uh, I guess my parents were 18 when they got married and had me at 19. Typical for the 60s. And my father turned abusive just two weeks into their marriage. And my mom wanted to leave. And reportedly, my uncle, my mom's brother, and my deceased grandmother, my mother's mother, have told me just a few years back into my 40s that I wasn't allowed to be held. I wasn't allowed to be loved. That my mother had tried to leave my father two weeks into their marriage because of his abuse. And my grandmother being the French-Canadian woman that she was and just stubborn in her belief system. And I guess back in the day, it was pretty common. And she was just told, my mother was told rather, she made the bed that she had to go lay in it and to suck it up basically. And so she was very angry and as a young girl, really stuck in this abusive relationship. And so when I was born, she didn't breastfeed me. She went had to go back to work because my parents didn't have enough money. She's like 19 as a teenager, barely herself teaching high school and in an abusive relationship with a child she doesn't really want. And so subconsciously, I believe, I don't believe consciously, but subconsciously resented me and took it out on me. And I was not allowed to be held or loved or cared for. And so it was a highly dysfunctional family. And I knew empathically what I was feeling and experiencing. In fact, I have only really one recollection of being an infant, and that's laying on the floor wanting to be picked up, crying, wanting to be loved, but being denied the very basic rights to being loved. But intuitively, I knew what was going on, but it was always denied. You see, I grew up in one of those families that are like keep up with the Joneses and like to sweep problems under the rug and pretend they don't exist. And you just don't discuss it. You don't talk about it. You pretend it doesn't exist. You make the person speaking out about it the problem. You make them the sole focus of the family problem. Because I dared to speak up about the truth. I was gaslit, the modern day term for scapegoated out of the family. And then my parents who would try to create this perfect family environment years later with a lot of wealth and a lot of money would have my sister nine years later and she would be the apple of their eye, the princess that could do no wrong. And so I was the black sheep, the scapegoat, and my sister was the perfect one. I was always treated differently and unfairly, and I'm not going to get into that, but I could give hundreds and hundreds of examples of being discredited and being told that what I was feeling was wrong. In fact, I wrote a chapter about this in a book called Rebel Rising. It was a collective piece written by 14 authors. And the irony of when this book was released or this chapter that I wrote was released was uh, June 19th, 2018. Three days before that, my dad reached out to me on Father's Day, June 16th, 2018, after we hadn't spoken for years, because I wrote about walking away from this family dynamic and finally getting out from under it, thanks to two therapists I had to go through after a really bad failed marriage to probably what I would call what the police deemed a sociopath. Yes, that's a whole other story. 
I had created these train wreck experiences for myself because of the family dynamic that I grew up in. And I had been sick and bedridden with what was called lupus and I could barely breathe. And I was working, coaching realtors, which I still do now, part-time for as many hours as I could cope with. But I mean, I tell you, I was sick. I could empty the dishwasher and that would be the amount of energy that I would have left to expend for the day and be bedridden for the rest of the day. There was days I couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk. I couldn't do stairs. It was really, really a crappy existence. And so I had a lot of time to sit in bed and really heal. And I took a lot of courses and I had already, you know, I started my Reiki journey and healing from this trauma back in 2010, I want to say. And I've been taking all these courses my whole life to make myself a better person because I had literally been told by my family that until I got to be the person that they wanted me to be, until I healed and transformed myself from the shitty person that I was, that they didn't love and accept, until I became who they needed me to be, they weren't going to accept me into the family. Yes, I was literally told that in a therapy session. So what had happened was I had gone to see a therapist after this failed marriage. I was 36 years old, six weeks of marriage after 25 family members witnessing the marriage to what I thought was this fairy tale marriage in the Dominican. He had walked out with all my money and it had been planned and it was just, he was a sociopath. Let's just leave it there. But I was very traumatized to what I thought was this fairy tale marriage. And so I had learned about why I was attracting this into my life. And I learned about the scapegoating syndrome through therapy and how I had been the victim of this highly dysfunctional scapegoated family. I was the scapegoat, which is very common in alcoholic families. So if any of you out there who come from a dysfunctional family, you'll resonate with that. And for those of you who don't, I'm really sorry for giving you this part of the story. But it's really important because you'll understand why I didn't want to abandon my dad? Because I had been abandoned by my own family. And I went through this wanting to be loved and accepted by them for so many years until this day where I was writing this chapter in 2018. Well, and for the few months and years before that, when I had finally decided to walk away from the dysfunction for my own survival. Up until that point, I had done everything I could to change who I was to be a better person because I loathe myself because how can you be a part of a family that doesn't love you and not learn to loathe yourself? Especially when you witness your younger sister being the princess and being so loved. It was so gut-wrenching. And so the reason this is so important is because lack of self-love is really a form of lack of self-care in a deeper expression. And as caregivers, we really put ourselves and our needs on the back burner to care for our loved ones. And so I want to ask you to really think about that. How well are you caring for yourself? Nobody teaches us to love ourselves. And obviously, because you've put your lives on hold and you're caring for your loved one, you deeply love others. And you have deep compassion for others. But are you showing yourself that level of compassion and deep love? Because I know I wasn't. And so 
It's an important part of the journey in the caregiver role is to learn to love yourself and to forgive yourself for all the childhood traumas that you may still be subconsciously running through in your programming in your mind and not even be aware of it. So at the time I was gifted the gift of being my dad's caregiver, sole caregiver and only caregiver, I had just healed, or so I thought, from this traumatic childhood. My dad, we had gone to this counseling session. My family had said I needed to heal and get better. My dad had been abusive. My mom and my dad just doted over my sister and her two sons and ignored my daughters and I. And I had said that I really was resentful about that. It was hard on my daughters to see the favoritism play out. And and then I was hit with the realization from this therapist that two different therapists, really, one from my divorce that I was going through from the sociopath and the other that I had gone to with this family I was born into thinking that we could heal the relationship and only to be told by both therapists that I needed to leave the unit, the family unit, if I was to dare survive it, that it was to put myself as the priority first because they were never going to change. And so those of you that have dysfunctional family members out there that are not supporting you in this journey... You may need to learn to let go for your own well-being. I'm just going to say, we'll talk about that later more in depth, but you just may need to walk away like I did. So fast forward, I've walked away from the unit. I haven't heard from my dad for years. And in December of 2017, I go to a Christmas where my mom and my sister are hosting because I had nowhere else to go because my daughters were visiting with their dad, not the sociopath I discussed earlier, but their father. And I was alone for Christmas and I wanted to see my extended family, my grandmother, my cousins, you know, my aunts, my uncles. And so I go for this dinner and I write about that in this chapter in Rebel Rising called, you know, Releasing or I can't remember the exact title myself from being scapegoated, you know, seven steps to releasing the scapegoat, the shackles of being scapegoated. And I wear this pink scarf that my mom had knit for me is this peacekeeping sign and I stuffed black tourmaline into my bra and I show up to that event only to learn that my sister and my dad were divorcing and my mom and my dad were divorcing and I had no idea that any of this was transpiring because I hadn't been in touch with anybody and the reason that's so prevalent for me in my journey is that the therapists had both warned me that I was the glue to hold the dysfunction together as the scapegoat so if any of you are out there are the family black sheeps and are the scapegoats in your family dynamic and your family is not supporting you in this role, just know that I get you. Because it was through therapy that I would learn that a family that gaslights and scapegoats one person and blames all the dysfunction on the one person is a family that's refusing to admit their dysfunction and that by allowing this person in to stay part of the family unit but not really be in the family unit... They can get away with deflecting the dysfunction and blaming me in the, in the case of my life for all the dysfunction. And so when you leave the family unit, the dysfunction, the family falls apart because there's no glue holding the dysfunction together anymore. And so they warned me that when I walked away from this family, the family would fall apart. And that's exactly what would happen. 
And so I was learning this for the first time. So this is December 2017, Christmas time. So in January 2018, not a month later, just a couple of weeks later, I had started and I had already committed to writing this chapter before this Christmas date. So I start writing this chapter and I even write about this Christmas experience of learning that my sister and her brother and my dad and my mom were all divorcing simultaneously. And so there's some guilt that came with that as having walked away and being the dysfunction, the glue rather that held the dysfunction together, watching them all unravel. But I'd also been hearing stories through this that my dad, who was living in Florida at the time, we're Canadian, so he was down there on a work visa, was dating a woman much younger than himself, and he was really, really happy and in a good state. And my mom would accuse him of stealing all their money and hiding it. So that's January now, 2018, I start writing about walking away from the family. I learn about the divorce. Hadn't heard from my dad or had any relationship with him for years. I'm bedridden, don't forget. I'm sick with lupus after suffering from burnout, which is also a really important piece to this because my caregiver friends, we suffer from burnout at a very high level as caregivers. And so I have already cured myself from burnout. I ignored the warning signs, which I'm going to implore that you don't do, because that led to what I believe and my holistic medical practitioners believed led to the lupus, which I have since reversed, by the way. But it's not to be taken lightly. Burnout can be used as a sexy term, but it's not so sexy when you really suffer from it at a deep level. So I hope you can start to see a little bit about why my story is so important here and how it all ties into what we suffer from as caregivers, dysfunctional families, caring for abusive people that maybe abused us as children, families that scapegoat us and blame us as caregivers for not doing enough, lack of self-love and self-esteem, burnout, exhaustion, not caring for yourself. They're all really prevalent themes in our journeys as caregivers. So we fast forward now. I'm writing this chapter I've walked away from the family unit outside of seeing my mom and my sister with other family members at that Christmas dinner. Really had zero exposure to them. I learned that they're all divorcing. And I write the story. And it's about to be published on June 19th on Amazon 2018. It's all done. It's submitted for editing. Not very super, not super proud of the way it was written, by the way. That's another conversation. Because it wasn't edited more or enough times, rather, more than I, it, as many times as I thought it would be. So anyways, that's another story. So if you read it, don't judge me on the writing because it's not well written, in my opinion. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> so it's going to be launched June 19th, 2018, on Father's Day, June 16th, 2018, three days before it's launched, I get a text from my dad who I hadn't heard from for years on Father's Day in a sarcastic way, asking, well, not asking, wishing me a family, ha happy Father's Day, Leanne. I was like, what? And I debated about whether or not I would respond. And something in my intuitive, spidey sense that I was born with a high level of intuition told me as desperately as I was trying to get away from this dysfunctional family that I couldn't ignore the text. And that's also super important, my friends, because intuition is something that I believe we are all born with, but we can lose sight of when we lose confidence in ourselves, when our energy is plugged up through trauma and unhealed, unresolved healing, 
and our chakras get blocked, we can lose our sense of intuition and trusting our, our intuition and what our spidey sense is guiding us towards. And especially in particular in my journey, because I was told black was white. And when I would say white, I was told it was black and everything was made to discredit me in my life. And everything I said and I believed was made to discredit me by my family. Cognitive dissonance was real. I had no sense of self left. I had no trust in myself. I didn't believe in myself or my ability to follow my intuition. And so this journey I went on that I'm going to talk to you about for the next few minutes and then to the next one or two episodes following this really, really, really forced me to tap into my intuition again and to trust myself and to trust where the crumbs of defrauding of my father were leading me towards and who was behind it all and why I was not going to abandon my father the way I was abandoned because I knew what it felt like to be abandoned and how painful and raw and deep that pain was. And I didn't want to do that to my father. So he reaches out to me and I debate for a little bit. I decide to text him back. We end up on the phone that morning, June, 2018, 16th on father's day. And I had no idea how wild the ride would be. And I'll share that with you in the next episode. But I want to just tell you first, as I had just finished writing my book proposal on how we all can overcome compassion fatigue as caregivers, which I'm going to dive into in this channel, and I just submitted my proposal to Hay House to be published as a book author on helping caregivers overcome compassion fatigue, and I just submitted that September 18th, so about two weeks ago, I had been channeling and getting a lot of downloads and reminders of my healing journey. And I used a lot of that to heal myself in the last several months now to overcome my own anger and frustration and resentment in my caregiving journey. And I was reflecting last night about what I was going to talk about with you all today on this first podcast. And don't I get this message about Dr. Wayne Dyer, whom I love, who is no longer with us anymore, but whose new episode had been uploaded onto the Hay House podcast last night. So I'm sitting in bed debating what to talk to you about tonight. And I get this message about Wayne's journey or podcasting episode on a journey that he went on with a mother who was a caregiver to a daughter. For 42 years, her daughter was in a coma. 42 years, she slept in the chair beside her bed and woke up throughout the night every three hours to care for her daughter because she promised her she wouldn't leave her. She promised her she would continue to care for her. And my father had been abandoned with dementia in a different country in Florida. We are Canadian with no money, having almost died. In fact, they read him his last rites in the hospital. And... I promised him as hard as this got, I would not abandon him like my family did. I would take care of him as hard as this may be. So I'm going to keep my word and I'm not going to abandon him. And I also promised him that I would fight to change the laws that allowed him to be defrauded of all his money. A retired lawyer, the irony in that, as you will see as we go through this story together, is beyond absurd. So I'm going to keep being an advocate for change, for change on how we experience the role, for how the system needs to change, 
for how you can be inspired and how you can heal yourself like I did and how this could be a gift to you the way it was for me. Because as I went through these years and years and years of healing myself from this traumatic family, it was not until I was thrown into the role, cast unexpectedly into the role of caring for my father, that my true deep healing actually began. And so I'm going to share that with you on the next episode. So I really hope that you'll stick with me as I explain to you why I'm here in my story for the next two or three, next one or two rather episodes before we start interviewing experts. Because I want you to get how deeply I get you by explaining to you what I've been through. So that'll be all for today, my friends. Until next week, episode two, when I continue the story of my caregiving journey to give you some insight into where we're going and why I get you. So deep breathe, relax today, and reflect on some of the things that I've said to you already. How well do you love yourself? How well do you care for yourself? How are you really feeling in this journey? Allow yourself to feel and express your true feelings. How are you going to make some changes so that you are not one of those 30% the statistics of caregivers that die before the one they're caring for because that's just shameful and not acceptable to me and it shouldn't be for you. And so thank you for listening and I will catch up next week with the next part of the story and then quickly get into starting to interview people that will help you de-stress and change the way you experience your roles. Namaste, my friends, in love and light. Talk soon. Hey, thank you for listening to Caregivers Conversations today and for being a part of this amazing community where we laugh and sometimes cry together, but more importantly, where we aim to change the way we all experience caregiving through inspirational and uplifting stories and the provision of practical tips, tools, and techniques that you can add to your self-care toolkit If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. For any comments, questions, or special requests, reach out to me directly at leannejmckinley.com. And thanks for listening. Until next time, be well, my warrior friends.